Coming up, how to 10x your professional opportunities this year. And then what is research telling us about the worst time of day to be productive? We'll break it down and we'll coach some people up. Let's go. Welcome to the Ken Coleman Show, where we help you win at work and in your life by helping you win in your work life. Excited that you're with us. Okay, let's talk about maximizing opportunities, shall we? Everybody wants to do that. But I have a question for you to start us off. Now, be honest with yourself. Does it feel like other people always get more breaks than you? Bigger breaks than you? More opportunities than you? Now, this could be true, um, but... Maybe it isn't, but let's just say that you feel like, you know what? I'm not a person that's putting myself out there much. I don't feel like I'm getting a lot of opportunities. I see other people move up faster and I've kind of always wondered why. So let's assume that people that are around you, that surround you probably do get more opportunities than you, but it's not because they're better than you. And that's where you've got to be careful because this becomes an excuse. It's not because they're more talented than you. It's not because they sit at home and manifest opportunities and hum, hum, they don't have the secret. That's not it. It's not because they're luckier than you. They've just learned how to do one thing really well. Today, I'm going to explain what this one thing is, how it will 10x, and honestly, 10x may be a moderate suggestion. It could be 20x, 30x. But this one thing will help you increase your opportunities, multiply opportunities for your life. And I want you to be able to get ahead in the process because this is the difference. This thing is the difference between people who are really successful and people who barely taste success and people who never experience success at all. Here's the solution. The thing that those people are doing that you compare yourself to that you aren't, They're surrounding themselves with really good, really great people. Now, all of us have a basic drive to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, a tribe, a group of people. We all desire to fit in, but that instinct can work against you if you're surrounded by not so good, not so great people. In other words, Average achievers, low achievers. Average achievers and low achievers. You're spending your time around them. This idea of wanting to belong can really hurt you because you are you are longing to be a part of something, but you're actually belonging to something that's holding you back. Now, this can work for you, this idea of belonging and wanting to be a part of a tribe if you're surrounded by good people. In other words, if you're plugged in and you're surrounded by people that are above average in their drive and in their discipline. Now, quick commercial. This isn't about walking around going, these people are better than these people. That's not what this is. We're talking about intentionality and growth. We're talking about people who live with intention. So think about this. If you join a team with higher standards than you. If you've been in one company, company A, and you join company B, and there's, it's pretty obvious that that the standards are a little higher, the bar is a little higher, the way they operate better. Well, you're going to have a natural instinct 
to conform to that group, right? We've left company A. Now we're the new person over here. And, man, they operate completely differently than this group over here. But I'm not there anymore. I'm here. And so what do we do? We naturally conform. And therein lies the truth to this great principle. It's the proximity principle. Well, I'm getting around people that are doing what I want to do and in places where this thing that I want to do is happening, then I've got an opportunity for doors to be open for me. And when I am joining a team of people that are naturally moving at a higher pace than me, if I want to belong, I will conform. And that's how you manage and make decisions to be around better people. And then by osmosis, listen, you don't have to get up every day going, I want to fit in. You naturally do that. And so that's how we can level up. I will level up if I'm hanging around people that are operating at a higher level than I am. It's that simple. By the way, you can you can you can apply this to your marriage life. Listen, you want a better marriage? Start hanging around with guys. I'm talking to men here. Start hanging around with guys that value and love their wife. Uh, couples, hang out. Go to dinner with couples that actually enjoy being married and are care for each other. But let me tell you something. If you and your favorite couples, let's just talk to couples for a moment. If if the couples you hang out with, they're not their marriage sucks. Or maybe you don't know if it sucks or not, but they're not nice to each other. They're not for each other. They don't respect each other. They don't sacrifice for each other. Let me tell you something. You're going to start acting like those couples. So, again, physically, you got some physical goals. Start hanging out with people that exercise all the time. Watch what happens. Watch those Watch those pants get a little looser, fellas. All right? That's just how it goes. So every single opportunity you get in life is going to come as a result of your actions and your actions as it relates to hanging around people, better people, where you're having better conversations, where better opportunities are coming to you. Find people who already get the quality and the quantity of opportunities that you want. They're already ahead of you. They've done it. Hang out with them as much as humanly possible. You don't want to be a creeper, but you want to add value to those relationships. Because when you add value, the value comes back to you. You will grow. I promise you. You'll grow into a person that attracts the opportunities that these other people are having. This is where the breakthroughs that you've been craving, that you've been praying for, will happen. If you want to 10x your current opportunity, get in proximity to the right people. But you don't have to stop there. If you want to expedite this process, like what if this is your year where you take leaps and bounds professionally because you're growing personally? If you want to stop yourself from getting stuck or sliding backwards, there's something else you got to do. And that's ditch the dead weight in your life. Now, this is going to come across as very insensitive, but it's not. This is probably one of the best personal growth strategies in the world. Who are the people in your life that are holding you back? Cut them out of your life. Now, there's three types of people, I'm gonna, and again, I'm going to give you some fun little generalities here because I think most people can kind of be bucketed here, okay? But these are the people that are attached to you or you are attached to them. Maybe we both have some unhealthy attachment stuff, and it's hard to move forward because they're holding you back. Here they are. One is the melodramatic martyr. Oh, my goodness. Just saying this gets me down. The melodramatic martyr. 
This is the person where everything they do comes from a place of self-pity. They're like Eeyore. They have no gratitude. Or if they do, they can't figure out a way to make it expressed. And so they just walk around just like a martyr. Like everything's against them. We should all just be impressed that they showed up today. Just that they're here. These people are the complainers. They choose to tell themselves that they're helpless and they will project that same attitude onto you. Here's another one. How about the dream crusher? Everything these people do is motivated by fear and doubt. And so they're constantly speaking that poisonous point of view over you. You talk about something exciting you're doing, you know what they do? They take some fear, they take some doubt, and they go, oh, I don't know. And what do they do? They crush your dream. They crush your dream. Now, the first two, they're really wounded and they're weak. And so they let it leak over you. This one, this next one, there's something a little bit more sinister going on here. This is the savvy saboteur. Everything this person does is motivated by their own jealousy and insecurity. So the first two are weak, they're hurting, and so it kind of leaks out on us. The savvy saboteur is actually really insecure and so insecure that they'd rather tear everybody else down and keep everybody else at their level not because they're afraid to be alone, but they're afraid to be exposed. And so they pull you down in an effort to hold you back. They love to manipulate and control. Their biggest fear is, as I said a moment ago, that they will be exposed as the person who hasn't lived up to their own potential. So if we're all kind of average or below average, we can gripe and commiserate together and they don't get singled out. So why do I share this with you? Because I don't want you to settle. The word settle speaks to the idea of soil settling, where just all these other circumstances, rain, water, uh, floods, uh, people walking on it, everything is just the, the sand, the dirt, the soil, the rock, they settle. There's no control. Everything else controlling them. And that's what's going to happen. If you aren't intentional, then you will, by nature, settle. And I don't want you to settle. I want you to 10x. 20x, 30x, 50x, 1x, 3x, 2x, I don't care. I just want you to be the best version of you. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to The Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman, BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply.
Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, if the show is encouraging you and equipping you in any way, we'd love for you to spread the word for us, please. You can do that by liking the videos on YouTube, subscribing to the YouTube channel, and sharing. And then if you're listening via podcast, give us a follow, a five-star review, and share as well. Thank you so very much. Okay, um, I, I've always wondered what my own internal clock was. I remember as a college student, I was the kid that naturally would stay up very, very late. And I, I always tried to avoid morning classes because I just always had more energy at night. Then you get older and you get responsible. At least you try to be responsible when you get kids. And the thing that blew me in my mind about little kids were is that little kids got up at the crack of dawn. It was usually the rooster and then the baby. And they just these creatures get up early. And so when the kids get old enough to get out of the bed on their own, guess what happens on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings when you would normally sleep in maybe a little bit before getting into your day? They're up. They want Cheerios. They want the TV turned on. 6 a.m. on a Saturday. What's going on, right? So we all have different zones, if you will. You've heard of late night people and your early morning people. But generally speaking, what does biology tell us? So here's what we know. Uh, Slack uh, just did a global survey uh, powered by Salesforce. Slack is owned by uh, Salesforce. And here's what they found. The post-lunch hours slow most people down. Not really surprising. In fact, as a speaker, I will tell you, the dreaded slot is the speaking slot right after lunch. It's dreaded because that's when people's energy drops. They're full. So what do we know about the workday? 71% of workers agree that the late afternoon is the worst time for work. Now, this is late afternoon. And the zones, according to this research, where productivity plummets is between 3 and 6 p.m. Now, drowsiness in the late afternoon is part of the body's normal circadian rhythm. It's our normal situation. So some of you out now, some of you out there now are freaking out a little bit. You know, maybe for the last three months you've been noticing you get really drowsy at such and such a time. You think, oh, what's wrong with my thyroid or what's wrong with my I don't know what people are saying, but it sounds like something somebody might say, right? Well, it's just part of our natural rhythm. So if you get a little drowsy, doesn't mean you gotta rush to the doctor. Because here is the time period where our bodies naturally slow down, okay? And that is 2 and 5 p.m. Between 2 and 5 p.m. is our normal slowdown uh, of our rhythms, according to the National Sleep Foundation. So 2 to 5. Christina Janzer, who's the senior VP of research at Slack, who commissioned the study, says in this article from CNBC, it's easy to, for us to assume that if you have an eight-hour workday, you're going to be just as productive as you are at 8 a.m. at 3 p.m. But that's just simply not true. And I just wonder how many leaders think about this. Because I will tell you, I've interviewed sleep experts. I've talked about sleep a lot on the show. When I was reading this, it was a little bit of a wake-up call for me. Because I think we all think, man, I, should, I, I need to perk up a little bit. I'm in this... 315 meeting and I'm yawning. What's wrong with me? Well, nothing, according to the sleep experts. And I think leaders think, you know what? You got to bust it all the way through the day. Well, no, wait a second. If I were to sit down with every leader in the room and I had all these sleep experts and we showed all this data that, that we all dip between 2 to 5 p.m. That's our natural circadian rhythm. This does not take into account um, losers who live in their mom's house uh, and who, who are adults and live in their mom and dad's house and they're being supported. This is not a taking account college students who are getting up at 11 a.m. Okay, this is on a normal sleep schedule 
most working adults are dipping their energy between 2 and 5 p.m. and it's natural. It's the circadian rhythm. So if you were to show all this data to leaders, doesn't it make sense then that we should go, wait a second, when are we going to get the best out of the folks on our team? So what should be happening on the schedule between 2 and 5? I think it's a really valuable question. And by the way, this would be juxtaposed with all of this stuff going on in the world at work right now where we're seeing substantive studies on a four-day work week. We're seeing this natural tension in the workplace on remote work, hybrid work. And I think that eventually, this is my prediction, More, we're going to see some leaders, some innovative leaders, you're going to see the sleep stuff more and more. You, you know, you got guys like Huberman who's kind of popularizing all this talk about how the brain works. I'm telling you, I've got a prediction. Could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but I've been married 25 years and I have three teenagers, so I'm used to being wrong. So I'll stay with this confidence in being wrong. I think you're going to see this stuff start to pop up in large public companies, and I think you're going to start to see expectations about how work is done and when work is done be wrapped around the science around sleep and energy. I just think this is, it's only a matter of time because I'm looking at this and it's going whoop, 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 and I'm going, man, if I'm talking to leaders, I'm going, all right, if we know the human body automatically has a dip between two and five, maybe we should play into that dip a little bit. So what am I suggesting? I'm not suggesting nap time from two to five. I'm not suggesting that. But, I'll come back to that. I'm going to tease it. I have my solutions. I want to get to more of this content here. Now, here's what we know from the same study. Micro breaks are very important to this energy. I'm going to have my suggestions. This is what the study came up with. I'll get to that in a second, what I think. The micro break, five-minute breaks, improves employee productivity and well-being. Here's one of the things we've talked about on this show. If you're a person that goes back to back to back to back back meetings, you know your brain begins to really get stressed out. And so a five-minute break between meetings, uh, maybe you're a writer or a creative, you're editing or you're designing, a five-minute break once an hour, highly recommended. And I mean, I don't mean just like sitting at your computer and staring at your phone in your five-minute break, getting up, changing gears, changing the way you're looking at stuff, how you're looking at stuff. I think the best five-minute break is a human break. That's human-to-human interaction. Talking about a game, talking about a TV show, talking about your kids. I think all of that's great. Another thing the study found is that music, listening to music at work can boost our concentration. I wonder how supportive this is in corporate America. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of people at Ramsey will uh, be at their desk working and they, they, they're jamming to music. Well, according to uh, Srini Pillay, MD and musician, and Harvard neuroscientist, the best music is familiar music. In other words, songs that you enjoy and know best, and they maximize your concentration. It actually fires the brain towards concentration. Um, and then um, it says to save the easy work for afternoons. So based on this 2 to 5 p.m. dip, the study says, obviously, well, let's take the stuff that doesn't require as much brain concentration, as much creativity, and let's do that in the afternoon. Okay, so here's what I think. I think 
because I hate email and I'm trying to always drive a wedge between people and email because I just think we rely on it too much. We create more work. You know what I think? I think there ought to be blocks in the afternoon where people's where people do emails. And and you know what I would do? Of course, everybody's going to laugh at me on this, but I'm making a point, not trying to drive home a real policy. I think people should send emails and can only send emails between two and five. I think if your energy's low and you're tired and you're sitting there with all those emails, here's what I think is going to happen. I think people are going to go, I don't want to send all these emails. But I tell you what, you get in the morning at 830 and you get your keyboard and you're skippy. And you're firing emails all day long and creating all this work for us. No, you could only send emails between two and five p.m. when you're really tired, and 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 your and your brain's dead. So that that's when you do your little task oriented stuff. Oh, here's another thing. All meetings have to be between two and five too. I just think that we'd see less email and less meetings if we said let's shove emails and meetings into the 2 to 5 p.m. sector where everybody's dipping in energy. I think it would be pretty great. I think we ought to be doing our thinking work, our communicating work, uh, the, 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 the high-priority work in the mornings. Now, there's an asterisk there for people who are wired differently and you're a night hawk, that's fine. But overall, if we look at the science, I think this would change the way we would do work and how we work and I think that's a really positive thing. So there you go. Pay attention to that. I think that's going to be a game changer for many of you who go, hey, I'm not only going to work this way, I'm going to lead this way to get the most out of my team. Oh, by the way, every once in a while nap's not a bad idea. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Thrilled that you are with us. Let's coach some folks up, shall we? Sarah is going to join us now in the Chicago area. Sarah, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hello. How are you? Good, Sarah. What's going on? Um, so a bit of a career question. Um, I changed jobs during the pandemic and ended up leaving a job that I really loved uh, for a job that paid more money because I just wasn't making enough at my previous job. Um, I was the art director for a regional magazine and left that for a graphic design position at a more corporate company. I don't dislike my new job now, but sometimes I feel unfulfilled creatively. Sometimes I like the monotonous work that I do, but mm-hmm. at my previous job, I felt overextended creative, overextended creatively. Mm. So I could be had to be on all the time and it was just kind of exhausting to a degree. But now that I've been at my current job for a couple of years, I'm wondering if I'm just using my full potential. Um, I struggle with this because I know my company likes me. I do really good work. They're really flexible with my home schedule. So for those reasons, I do feel a sense of loyalty to them. I do freelance on the side and pick up clients here and there. Um, I definitely feel most more fulfilled doing that type of work. And that's the direction I'm thinking about going, but just taking that leap, uh, is a pretty big step. And most of my background is in print and print just isn't what it used to be. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know if the, um, the work you're doing right now is on the side. Is that print work or is it across the board? Uh, it's it's whatever. Um, I've done some web stuff. Um, most of it's print. Um, I've even freelanced for my previous company because I left on really good terms. Is it graphic um, design? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, it's all graphic design. So like some of the web clients I've picked up, like they might just need like some graphics here and there, or like some work for social media. Um, the print work that I've been doing, it's been mostly for my uh, past company. So gotcha. a lot of like magazine and publication design. So the current role is art director or is that the previous role? That's the previous role. Okay. So as the art director, how much design were you actually doing versus uh, informing the design? Um, I, I was doing like all the covers and usually a feature, um, or two. Um, and then I also managed, um, somebody uh, along with, um, helping out with our intern program as well. Mm-hmm. So if I heard you correctly, I'm going to try to, I love, you gave me a lot of information. Let me make sure I caught it all. Okay. Um, the current gig is better pay, yes. but the work isn't as challenging or exciting. Correct. The previous gig, super exciting work and challenging work, but too much of it and not enough pay. Uh, correct, yes. Okay. Uh, and now, how much are you making on the side with this side hustle venture? Um, I haven't really done as much as I would like. We, my husband and I had a lot of life that happened over the past year. Um, so I was really only to focus on it like a few months at a time. Okay. Um, so I did about eight, 8,000 over the past year. With All them. right. And what do you make, um, in this current role? Um, my current role, I'm at 72 base with around 12 to 15 bonus. Okay. So let's let's call it 87 ish is that what we're talking about Mm -hmm. yeah okay and 8k on the side um okay that's interesting uh but the other good news about this current thing is while it doesn't challenge you as much looks like you're getting some of the challenge on the side and a little bit extra pay which is nice but you do have a lot of um a lot of balance a lot of life balance Correct. I do. Yeah. And like with uh, the season that we were in, it was really important to have that. Um, I feel, I'm feeling a little bit more settled in life right now. So I'm feeling that I could probably focus more on freelance, but I'm just, you know, everything is so digital now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's <laughs> like the other question. It, yeah. yeah. So take me to um, how much are you doing any of the same work you were doing before as the art director at this current gig, or is it completely different work? Um, the only similar thing I do is our, um, our catalogs and those are even kind of going away. And I wouldn't say that they're super creative. I mean, I was doing like, it was, you know, very creative at my past job. Um, so do you have the ability, was, cause you're in a leadership role now in the current job? Yes or no? No, I, I took a, I took a title cut when I took this new job. Oh, so what's your title now? Uh, just a graphic designer. Okay, and so you're doing a lot of digital stuff, not print. Yeah, so email, some basic HTML. Um, the, the print stuff I do is like catalogs, mailers, um, some packaging design. I also do yeah. a lot of Amazon stuff okay. as well. All right, I think I got a real good handle on this. So what's your specific question for me? Um, I don't know. I think I kind of also have like some uh, imposter syndrome. <laughs> like I have like this great resume for one part of my life like with all the print stuff that I do but I think it's kind of also you know using that part to like propel me forward into maybe getting some more digital experience so I can go out on my own and be more relevant in the market and just kind of how I'm supposed to wrestle with that and, okay good you know all right okay so let me come at this from a completely like 
bottom shelf common sense way. Okay. Okay. All right. Some this may seem silly, but I'm taking you somewhere. All right. Okay. Um, the work you're doing now, the basic email design, what you're calling digital, and the work you did in the past, which was for print, all of the design that you personally did was on a computer, or yes or no, or was it? Did you start off sketching and then you went to a computer? The design work itself, when you're creating these designs, both where you are now and where you were, is it done on a computer, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Both. All right. And are you not the same person who just minutes ago told me that you made $8,000 on the side uh, doing doing design? Yes. And aren't you also doing that design on a computer? Yes. Seems to me that you have created an unnecessary hurdle into designing for digital versus designing for physical because based on what I just heard, the design work is all coming from your glorious brain and it is being done on a computer and then it either gets printed to something that we can touch, i.e. a magazine page uh, or a catalog page or a cover or it just stays in the digital realm. Am I still making sense? You are. I didn't think of it that way before. Good. Because I am a simpleton. And <laughs> sometimes it takes talking to a simpleton like me to go, you've created a mental hurdle that doesn't exist. You're a good, mm -hmm. you're a good designer. A designer is a designer. A good designer is a good designer. It doesn't matter where the design ends up. It's still coming from the same place and done on the same tool. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. And again... You're like, I don't know if I've got the confidence to go out and do it on my own. Well, you started. You had a lot of life happening mm -hmm. and a full-time job, and you still mm -hmm. managed to make eight grand in cash. Way to go. Yeah, it was like, so it was before I made, I, when I made it, it was before, so my husband was deployed last year. And so like, you That's know, fine. I had some time to kill. <laughs> but, but, but my point is, is you've done it. Okay, I've done it, yeah. And you yeah. can do it again and you can scale it. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you what I think. I think you need to stay in this current day job because it is not taxing you mentally or physically. There's a little bit of the boredom in there, but I think you can mentally press through that to go, you know what? This is a great gig because I'm making more money. I have more control over my life schedule. It's a good season right now to have a job that's not strapping me mentally and emotionally. I can do this with half my brain tied behind my back. But I'm mm -hmm. going to reserve some of that brain for my family, for my husband, and for my side hustle. And I think mm -hmm. right now I would stay put and chill out and focus on gratitude when we go in every day to go, you know what, I'm grateful I get paid really well to design emails that I could do with half my eyes closed, half my brain tied behind my back, whatever, whatever, whatever. And so what I'm going to begin to do is plan and grow and build slowly at the pace that I want to grow my side hustle to eventually I'm working for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or no. another scenario is you stay where you're at until you build your your relationships and connections and maybe you step up into another great role where you're a creative art director again, but now you're not slammed. Or maybe the old company calls back and says, we want to raise. We want to give you a raise. We think you're amazing. We want you back. And you well, go. I doubt they do that. <laughs> okay, but you get my point. My point I is do, I do. <laughs> there's plenty of options here. And I think mm -hmm. where you are now is not where you're going to be. But I think where you are now is where you need to be until you decide what life needs to look like. 
So that's what I think. Thank you, Sarah, for the call. You're going to be great. You're going to do great things. Keep designing. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.